Hebrews chapter number 9, and the Bible says that, uh, verse number 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. And we think about blood, and that is not a good picture, but what it pictures spiritually. Uh, Everything we have is because Christ was willing to shed his blood for us. And so what a, what a wonderful song. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate that. All right, this morning as we are in Matthew chapter 23, or Matthew chapter 4, we're going to go to Matthew 23 as well. But we look at some, some people who made some absolute decisions in their life. We, we are talking about people who decided to follow Christ. Jesus looked at these men and he said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Can you imagine if we were out on the side of a river or the side of the lake, somebody walks up and says, follow me. Who are you? We, we distance ourselves from those kinds of scenarios, but that's what happened. Jesus Christ, There was an encounter with Christ. And you know what? When you meet Christ, he'll change your life. He'll change not just your eternal destiny, he'll change your life. And here we have these individuals where Christ comes along and he says, follow me. And they left all and followed him. Peter and Andrew. Then all of a sudden we come along and we see James and John. And Jesus said, follow me. And the Bible says they left their nets and their father followed him. But when we continue through scripture, we also find times where people followed the Lord in multitudes. You know, the multitudes that follow are usually pretty fickle. You look at in Scripture, and just for time's sake, we're not going to go there, but we could go to the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem, and we can see that there were multitudes following the Lord at that point. And even in this passage in Matthew chapter number 4, we see that multitudes followed And we'll get there in a second. But they didn't stay following. What do we see? There's a difference. There was a difference in the commitment. This morning, I want to talk to you about fans or followers. Fans and followers. I don't want to just be a fan of Christ. I want to be a follower. And when we look at these these men who left all and followed, we'll learn some things about it. But we'll look also at some individuals that were more interested in religion than they were in a relationship with Christ. And if we don't have a relationship, everything's going to fall apart. And so... So this morning, I'm going to speak to you on that subject, fans 
and followers. Father, I do pray that you would help us today. Uh, Lord, we have gathered because we want to hear from you. We want to know you better. We want to worship you. We want to be a part of this body called uh, Believers, the church. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we do. And Lord, just uh, meet the needs of each person. I don't know each person's background and struggles and battles that they face Uh, Many of them I do, Uh, but Lord, uh, you know each and every aspect of our life, and I pray today uh, that you would help us draw a little bit closer to you, and so may you be glorified. For Christ's sake we pray, amen. The crowd that followed uh, the Lord in this passage of Matthew chapter number four, uh, they were more of what we would consider uh, fans. They were fans of of the Lord. They they liked what he was doing. They liked what they saw. They were captivated by his miracles and they were his fans. Look at Matthew chapter number 4 verse 23. Uh, the Bible says and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people and his fame went uh went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. I think we have some of those with us today. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we, have, we have this group, and it was, a, it was a multitude of people, and it says in verse 25, and there followed him a great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. So here we, we have a Christ who is a, is a Christ, a, the Messiah, the Savior. He went about doing that which was good. When you look at the life of Christ, everywhere he went, he helped people. You know, as a Christian, we are to help people. It should not be just that we have planned activities that is going to help somebody. We should help people as we go through our normal day. Why? Because that's what Christ did. And everywhere he went, he came into contact with people that had needs. Now, the, we, we look at it and say, well, I can't heal anybody and I can't take care of this, that, or the other. Uh, no, but the Lord brings people across our path because he knows there's something that we can do to help them. There is something that we can do, and now we just have to be yielded to the Lord to find out what that is. It it might be that we can provide a meal. It might be that we can provide some encouragement. It might be that we can provide some counsel uh, to them. Maybe there's some correction, some accountability that's needed in their life. Uh, God brings people across our path to help. And Jesus here, as he went about helping uh, these individuals, he helped the sick, the diseased, the tormented. I pray for our people who deal with chronic illness. And I pray for all of you, but the people that deal with things on a daily basis, I pray for. I pray for Brother Doug. He fights to get a breath of air. For him to stand up and just have a conversation, he is out of breath 
We had a word of prayer for the services today in my office, and he was, he was out of breath just trying to pray. I pray for Brother Randy. He deals with chronic pain. I deal with, I pray with uh, about, of course, other people. Uh, Brother Billy, uh, his, his health and struggles that he has with his health. He was up here uh, about 14 hours working on this portable uh, earlier this week. Uh, 14 hours in one day. And I know it had an impact on his health. You know, and there are, I pray for our people that have health issues. Jesus he could heal them. I, I wish I could do that. I wish I, wish I had that, uh, that ability uh, to heal these guys that say that they, can, they, they have the gift of healing. You don't ever see them going to the burn wards. You don't see them going to the cancer centers. Uh, you only see it when it's a production. Christianity is not a production. And so we see the sick, the diseased, the tormented. We see the demon possessed. They come and Christ sets them free. The lunatic, schizophrenia, the, those that are mentally unwell. We see the palsy, the handicapped, the paralyzed. Christ could heal. You know, Christ steal, still can heal. Christ still can transform a life. He can, he can make the broken whole. What a blessing that that is. And, and with that, we see in verse 25, and there followed him great multitudes of people. So the results of the actions of Christ, it caused people to uh, follow the Lord. But what I want to point out is Christ doesn't do the miraculous every day of our life. And he didn't do the miraculous in every day of his disciples either. And these multitudes they followed as long as they were impressed. As long as they were getting something. It was, I'm going to say that much of it was based on an entertainment schedule. It was, it was based on the wow factor of these miracles and seeing what was going on. And they followed Christ to see what he was going to do. So, so when we look at the, that, I want you to see that personal gratification, it, the Christian life is not about personal gratification. Following Christ is not about personal gratification. So we're going to compare some of the things that people who are fans and even religious people, people who go to church, people that, that are uh, following uh, religion, if you would, uh, what that looks like and what some of those problems are. Uh, so go to Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23. And we'll look at verse number 23 and 24. Matthew 23, 
23 and 24. So we're still looking at fans and followers. So we're going we're gonna to look, first of all, at this religious group. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. And so with this, we know that these Pharisees, they were not followers or fans of Christ, but they do represent a religious crowd. And let let me just say, being a part of a church does not make us spiritual. Going to church is important. That's part of God's plan for our life as believers. New Testament church. Uh, it is, it's vital. Uh, but if all we do is get caught up in religion and uh, what do we see that uh, was with these blind guides, uh, number one, they were superficial focus. They, they superficially focused on the external actions. Yeah, they, they were blind guides. They strained at a gnat and followed, uh, sw- uh, swallowed a camel. Uh, they were religious, activity-minded, but not spiritually-minded. Fans don't necessarily know what it's about. They knew the details of the law. They paid tithe. Matter of fact, they paid tithe of mint and anise and cumin. They paid tithe even of their garden, their, their, uh, their spice garden. So these were very uh, specific. Uh, these people looked at their religion and they followed it uh, to the nth degree, uh, but they avoided the, the weightier matters of the law. They, they majored on the minor. You know, religious people can major on the minor. I don't want to be one of those people. So they avoided judgment, mercy, and faith. Secondly, we see this, uh, this religious crowd. Uh, they were performance-based. Verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. And so uh, it was, they were more focused on the outward uh, appearance uh, that was there, uh, performance-based, uh, and the approval of men. They, they could look good on the outside, but on the inside, they were not clean. And religion, I can put on my church. I can put on what other people make feel like I, I, have, uh, I, I have attained to something. Uh, but, but that is not what Christianity is about. And uh, fans, we see uh, people that have followed that way. Verse 25, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they're full of extortion and excess. James 1, the Bible says, pure religion un- and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep themselves unspotted from the world. And so uh, we know being a 
follower of Christ, it is not going to be just work, worrying about the outside. We've got to be pure on the inside as well. Uh, thirdly, we see maybe a, a, a fan mentality is ex- external appearances over internal transformation. External appearances over internal transformation. Formation. Verse 27 of Matthew 25, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers. Now, you know what? If I preached like that, I would run about 90% of the people off. You know, here the Lord is calling them out. He is, he is not backpedaling for anybody. He is not holding back. He is calling them out for their condition uh, that was wrong and sinful. Uh, so he said, won't you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto the whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And let me tell you, the Christian life is a transforming life. Christ will transform our lives. He will transform our life. And he does work on the outside, but the outward uh, change is dependent on that inward change. And it's not just trying to appear to be something. It is not to be uh, a conforming, uh, but a transforming. Romans chapter number one, uh, 12, he said, Be therefore, uh, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That good, acceptable, perfect will of God will result in outward change, but it is the result not of trying to conform, but of being transformed. On the inside, the renewing uh, of our mind. Uh, I, I'm amazed so often uh, people will say that, uh, that, uh, uh, that they want their identity. They want to have their identity. And they'll be in a small church like ours. And uh, they'll have, uh, they're looking around at, at uh, the expectations and uh, the Christians and what we do and how we live and how we act. And then they'll say, well, I want to be an individual. And so then they will go act and look like everybody else out in the world. That's not individualism. That's conformity. And the Lord said that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what do we find? The renewing of our mind. God changes who we are. And if he changes who we are, it will result in a change in how we live. So these are just some things that we see of those that, uh, that follow along. They're heedless of a re- real sense of following the Father. Uh, religion without relationship. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to just John, uh, John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that hath not the Son uh, it says, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth 
in him. And so uh, we, we can see that if we don't have Christ, then we have nothing. So there are the fans, but then there's the followers. Now go back to Matthew chapter number four. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to sense some things about what this true fellowship looked like. What, what was it? What did it result in? What did that true fellowship uh, look like? And so look again, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets. And he called them and immediately uh, left the ship and their father and followed him. This is a different crown. This is a different way of following. This, these individuals were following Christ, but they weren't following the way the multitudes were. They weren't following the way the fringe crowd was. This was a different crowd. Uh, these individuals were part of the 12. And when you stop and think about the 12 apostles, the Lord is going to invest in these 12 and leave his ministry to them to carry on. That's pretty amazing. We have, we have the truth of the gospel because people before us carried on the faith. Will those coming behind us have the faith? Will we make a difference? Will we carry that on? Uh, will we impart it to our children? Will we impart it to the next generation? Will our children pass it to the grandchildren? And so on. But with this, we see these followers. Uh, they were followers of Christ. Followers in the good times and followers in the bad times. Followers when things were, uh, were smooth sailing and followers when it was in the midst of a storm. So what do we see? Number one, we see immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. A follower of Christ is going to live in immediate obedience. When God tells us to do something, we're going to follow. That's, that's what a follower of Christ is going to do. He tells us what to do. There was immediate obedience. Uh, verse 20, whosoever therefore, uh, Matthew 23, uh, nope, uh, I got the wrong verse there. Let me go back to Matthew chapter 4. Typed in the wrong verse. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 20 Matthew 4, 20, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren. Uh, so these are following, uh, verse 22, and they immediately uh, left the ship. So we have, uh, we have Peter and Andrew, then we have James and John. And as soon as the Lord says, follow me, immediately they followed. 
You say, well, pastor, I have to think about it. Why? Try that. Let your kids try that. Tell your, tell your kids to do something. Well, you know, I just want to contemplate about that a little bit. I want to think about that. How would you as a parent respond to that? We would not be too happy. No, I told you to do something. You need to do it. Now, with the Lord, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the creator of the world. When in his word, he tells us that we should do something, there should be immediate obedience. Because of his authority, because of who he is, and because of our love for him, we should want to do whatever he asks us to do. So it shouldn't be out of constraint. It shouldn't be that we are uh, forced to do anything. But we see uh, right off the bat, we see immediate obedience. We see secondly, sacrificial commitment. Sacrificial commitment. It will follow you to, it will cost you to follow Christ. It'll cost you. Verse 21 and 22, same verses, uh, but they left, their, uh, they left their ships, they left their net, nets. Uh, and verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. What did they do? They left their family business to follow Christ. You know, there shouldn't be anything between us and Christ. Now, the Lord doesn't ask everybody to leave their business to follow him. But he does do that. There are a lot of people that are in, that are in businesses or have owned businesses that God has called them into the ministry and they left their business to follow Christ. That, that does happen. There, he sometimes will ask somebody to leave a career to follow him. And, and he might do that. And if he does, there is nothing better for your life than to follow Christ. He doesn't ask that of everybody, but he does. There does need to be commitment in our following of Christ. And that should be every one of us uh, because we see this sacrificial commitment, uh, this commitment, this loyalty, this love for the Father. It takes commitment. Thirdly, we see with this group that we're followers, participation in kingdom work. Participation in kingdom work. This is where we're going to be a follower and not a fan. We need to be engaged in kingdom work. We need to be engaged in sharing the good news of the gospel. Uh, Matthew 4, 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. These that he just called were following. Now they are partnering with Christ in kingdom work. Christ doesn't just save us to sit. He saves us and expects that we will serve. 
participation in kingdom work. Yesterday, when, uh, it, uh, when we were preparing for soul winning, those that came for outreach, uh, I challenged each of them out of 2 Corinthians 5.20 about uh, embracing our role as being an ambassador for Christ. The Bible says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. He said, uh, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And you and I, we have been, uh, we are ambassadors. We're an ambassador. Christ has made us an ambassador. Who is an ambassador? An ambassador represents the king of another country. We are ambassadors for Christ. Where is he at? He's in heaven. And we are to be that ambassador. It's not just the pastor and the missionary that's to be the ambassador. Everyone, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are to be involved in kingdom work. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What do we find? We find that uh, we are ambassadors. We are to be engaged in kingdom work. We're to be engaged in partnering with Christ to share the gospel. So uh, we see here that these these, uh, followers, not fans, but followers, they were engaged in kingdom work. Fourthly and lastly, we see that there was enduring commitment through trials. Enduring commitment. These these followers, they followed when it was rough. When things were not smooth. Matthew 4.24, And his fame went through all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. What, what was happening? Now these, these followers, they were engaged in this kingdom work. And this, this doesn't sound like fun ministry to me. Dealing with demon-possessed. Dealing with all that was, was uh, listed here, the diseases and torments and uh, the, the palsies and all that was going on. Uh, but these authentic followers, they followed Christ no matter what the circumstances were. The storms uh, of life, uh, their faith was unwavering. So when we look at these individuals, we can see in Scripture where there were fans. We can look in Scripture where there were followers. And followers had a different response. So this morning and the next two weeks, so three weeks, uh, we'll be speaking on this fans and followers. But with this, what is it that we can look and assess? Maybe in some areas I'm being a follower. Maybe in some areas I'm being a fan. I don't, I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. I don't want my, my worship, I don't want my following of Christ to be just 
just something that is a part of my life. The disciples, when they followed Christ, it was their life. And everything else revolved around who he is. And that's how it should be even today. 2,000 years later, followers of Christ, he needs to be the focus of our life. And that's what we see here. So let's embrace this, this call to be a true follower of Christ. Let's not just be a, fran, a fan on the fringe. Let's authentically live out uh, the teachings of Christ, uh, experiencing the transforming power uh, of the gospel in our life. And so here we can be a fan or a follower. Now, if you're here this morning, and there's never been a time where you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, then the first thing you need to do is become not just a follower, you need to be a child of God. That's where it starts. Being born again. Becoming a child of God. We are not his child just because we live. We become his child when we accept him as our Savior. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me encourage you. Trust Christ today. We'll have an invitation here in just a moment. And we'll have people that will be, would love to be able to open up the Bible and share with you how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you're going to heaven. What, what is that? That's being saved, becoming a child of God. Many different terms that are Bible terms referencing that relationship but if you're saved this morning, don't be a fan. Be a follower. Don't be on the outside looking in. Get engaged. Partner together with Christ and serve him. And there is so much fulfillment in doing so. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Do pray that you would just speak to hearts during this time. You know the needs of each person. And Lord, if we need to, uh, to look into our life, maybe there's some areas where we have become fans instead of followers, I pray that we would get that right. Maybe there's one that uh, has not put their faith in you. I pray today that they would follow you and, uh, as their Savior and accept you as their Savior. So I pray that you would bless in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.